Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. All right, welcome everybody back to a new episode of The Grind, 2017 version. This is uh, take 73 uh, on this particular podcast, uh, as we've had technical difficulties, uh, sound difficulties, construction background noise difficulties, uh, you name it. So we're kicking the year off right here. And uh, so we're excited to be back and and uh, cranking up with some, some new stuff this, this week. And so uh, with me, as always, uh, is Chad Grigsby. Chad, how are you? Good, Dave. You know, I was going to say, it's better than our toilet flushing background that we normally have in the studio, so, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that happens quite often, too. So uh, so if y'all hear random noises, uh, just, just pay no attention, and uh, we have no idea what they may be, and uh, just just good background setting the mood kind of noises. It's, it's ambiance, for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's good right. <laughs> that's right. And also with us is uh, our lovely production uh, minister, uh, Nick Burt. I'm here. <laughs> the man of many words. That title and, changes every week. I know it. Well, I, I think I've settled on production minister. I really like that one. And, uh, That's good. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it was the first thing you said on accident, so I think it should stay that way. Yeah, I think it's kind of stuck now. So, uh, yeah, I don't even remember what I should have said. Uh production guy just doesn't you know, have the same weight as production minister so uh uh master of production you know lord of all things technological uh, now you're getting hey, somewhere yeah we're, we're getting there now and so a uh, pontifex maximus of sound and, uh, <laughs> so, all right ladies and gentlemen if you're listening out there we need to come up with a good title for nick burt so uh send in your suggestions to the grind at absc.org, and uh, we'll uh, we'll take a poll and uh, see what we should call Nick. All right. So your 2017 has been okay? It's been good, man. It's good. Our kid took a nosedive off the couch last week, uh, a little trip to the ER, but he's great. He's fine, but that was exciting. It's about the most exciting thing that's happened to us so far in the first part of the year here. So how about you? Uh, ours has been kid nosedive free. And okay. uh, mild concussion okay. free. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it, man, we hit the ground running. Uh, you know, we started back to work on the what, second or third, whenever it was, and it just hasn't slowed down since. So I'm eyeing the middle of February as uh, potential. Uh, hey, I've got a got a break. So I do have a couple of days next week though, where I'm going to Dallas to see one of my favorite bands, uh, Neil Morse Band. And uh, it'll be a nonstop prog rock deliciousness. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so me and a couple buddies driving down to Dallas for that. So it'll be fun. Well, we will be sitting on pins and needles waiting to hear a report back from that, day. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, here's the fascinating thing. Their, their new album is a two-CD set, and it's based on the Pilgrim's Progress. 
called Similitude of a Dream. And so they're playing from start to finish the story of Pilgrim's Progress. So I probably ought to read that book before I go see the concert so I, I'll know what they're talking about. When I when I think of Similitude of a Dream, I think Pilgrim's Progress immediately. So Absolutely. I mean, what else would you think of, you know, when you hear that title? Couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we probably have a competition to see who can spell similitude. And uh, I'm out. You win. Yeah, I'm out. That's right. <laughs> okay. It'd probably be difficult for us to spell dream. So uh, uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, looking forward to that. So that'll be a couple of days, uh, get away with some good buddies. And and uh, and so we'll, we'll have a good guy road trip to, to Dallas uh, coming up there for that. So um, all right, so we're excited to kind of get into this interview today. We had a, a drop-in guest uh, with us here a few days ago, uh, Andy Addis, who is the pastor of Cross Point Church in Hutchinson, Kansas, uh, which is uh, a large multi-site church in Hutchinson, Kansas, or so the main campus is in Hutchinson, and they have campuses all over uh, Kansas, and uh, just a fascinating conversation. And as we were talking, we uh, knew that Andy looked familiar and his name sounded familiar, could not place it until he got here uh, at the building. We began to talk and realized that we were at Southwestern Seminary at the same time and that both of us used to have hair down to the middle of our backs and singing metal bands. And uh, the worship band, traveling worship band that I was in in seminary, our first live performance was at a block party at the church Andy pastored in East Fort Worth. And so we had some great mutual friends and had a fun connection, kind of reminiscent about that. So uh, so looking forward to this interview with Andy. So we're going to kick it to, to that interview and you guys enjoy as we talk with Andy Addis. Well, welcome uh, uh, back to the grind. We've got a great uh, in-studio uh, episode today. Uh, we have Andy Addis from uh, Cross Point Church in Hutchison, Kansas. Hutchison or Hutchinson? Well, if you're from there, it's just Hutch. But if you okay. want to be professional, it's Hutchinson. Hutchinson, oh, all right. Not Hutchison. We're excited to have Andy here with us. He's in town visiting good another seminary friend and uh, working with First Baptist in Little Rock and doing some things and some of our pastors. And so thought we'd uh, borrow him for a little while to do a podcast. Uh, one of the unique things about Cross Point and what Andy's doing in Hutchinson is uh, their multi-site strategy. And uh, really want to kind of tap into that and talk about that today. But before we get into that, just kind of talk about your ministry journey, uh, kind of leading up to uh, being in Hutchinson and, and kind of what you're doing now. So, Absolutely. Uh, for me, ministry is uh, just kind of birthed out of faith in and of itself because I wasn't raised in a Christian home. So I'm not like a pastor's kid. I was a pagan kid and uh, actually got put on a vacation Bible school church bus to be the sacrificial lamb for my family. Um, they uh, they got tired of the Monday night visitation interrupting football. And my stepdad said, if I put my kid on your bus, will you leave us alone? And, I was officially suit and tie sacrifice That's for the so next five funny. years of my life. Yeah. Um, but uh, in that journey, um, you know, I, I became a believer, first one of my uh, family to become a believer. Uh, I really started to take it seriously. I, we had kind of a family crisis my, my senior year of high school. Family broke apart again, and um, uh, everything was in transition. And God just said, either follow me or don't. And I ended up in a puddle on the garage floor crying mm. and saying, God, I'm going to give you everything. 
stood up from that moment, quit a job so I could be in church the next weekend, and have never looked back. Within a wow. year, had uh, surrendered to a call, started leading Bible studies out of my dorm room at, uh, at college, and just had no idea what I was doing. Uh, there was actually an American Baptist pastor who I was meeting with for our uh, college Bible study, which was he and I. Yeah. And he said, well, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I said, I'm going to be a journalist. I'm training to be a journalist. He goes, really? Spend a week, ask everybody you know what they think you're going to do. I said, okay. <laughs> So I started asking all, all my friends everybody I was working with on the newspaper, and they said, well, you're going to be a pastor, right? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Wow. That has never come out of my mouth. And I came back to him and said, who did you pay? And how <laughs> yeah. did you get all those people in line? And he said, listen, uh, I love you, but you're just dumb. You're the last person to recognize what God's doing in your life, yeah. and uh, you need to think about this. And and I surrendered to a call to ministry and started working as a youth pastor uh, while I was going to college and um, went to seminary, not because I thought I needed it, but it hit me one day. I heard a pastor say that the Bible wasn't written in English, and I thought, that is not fair. I've got to figure out uh, what that wow. was all about. So I wanted to learn the original languages mm -hmm. and, and went. So that's all motivation. You know, I was kind of lost in it. I was going to be a youth pastor forever. But uh, the journey then took me to the fact that uh, I had been working as a youth pastor while I was in college and then an interim for our church. And when I went to seminary, I thought, I'm going to take a break. I'm just, I'm not going to work for a church. I'm just going to go to school. <laughs> I got a job for uh, Walmart, and three months later, I'm begging God to let me work for a church. <laughs> yeah, just, that'll do it. Uh, <laughs> well, because I'm colorblind, and they put me in charge of paint. Uh, oh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm mixing paint for people, and then I'm blown with a hairdryer going, does this look good to you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea. Oh, that's, that's great. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, I begged God, got a job in town on the east side of Fort Worth, which mm -hmm. was great as a youth pastor. It was the youth pastor, then youth and children, then youth children and worship, then youth children worship interim, and finally they gave in and made me the pastor. Yeah. Um, well, you're already doing everything. That, right? That's it, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, that was when I was young and dumb, and uh, now I'm one of those things, yeah. but uh, I'm not both anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I did that through seminary. Uh, it was it was a great journey. It was like I said, a declining neighborhood. Uh, it was a church in which there were 60, 70 year olds basically. Yeah. And they hired me as a youth pastor yeah. for the one grandkid that came every other week. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it made yeah. no sense. Um, but uh, by the time I got finished there, uh, and we finished seminary one year after, we were running about 400, median age 35, yeah. and we were pretty excited mm -hmm. about it. But the truth is, I classify it as a failure, because we moved then. The only other church I've pastored is where I'm at right now. We moved back to Kansas, and, and I'll give you a little bit of that history in a second. But I watched for the two years, first two years in Hutch. Uh, that church went right back to where it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And wow. and God gently but uh, firmly communicated to me, that's because I called you to be a shepherd and you were a cattle driver. You cracked a whip and shot the gun and got everybody to do what you wanted them to do. Because my personality type is, uh, I, I believe in any room that I walk in, I'm in charge. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. as far as I'm concerned, I'm in charge of this podcast right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, but, hey, that's, that's fine. Uh, you're in charge. <laughs> but... Uh, but that was how I operated there, and uh, didn't have a residual effect. wasn't as spirit led as you wanted it to be. I'm not denying that God did some things. It was right. great, but boy, we've been on a long, slow journey now. I've been at uh, Hutchinson, Kansas, at uh, Cross Point Church for 14 years, and I've asked God if I could be the church I die at. Yeah, just don't intend to move. Had the beautiful privilege of my kids going to the same grade school 
all the way through, oh, and wow. they've only had one home. I've only bought one home in my life, and it's the one that we're in. So all those things, it's been a blessing. But the original question was just that ministry mm-hmm. stint. You know, I got called in an odd way. Uh, I just volunteered and got put on staff. Uh, in college, uh, was not intending to become pastor while I was in seminary, but did. And um, the multi-site journey that we're on as well in Hutchinson, boy, that wasn't that wasn't anything that we had desired to do. Um, matter of fact, one of the funny moments is we were at our third campus when somebody said, oh, you're multi-site. And I went, what's that? <laughs> and uh, they gave me a book and I read it and went, hey, guys, we're multi-site. <laughs> we're a part of that. But in a nutshell, uh, came to Hutchinson, 60 miles from where I graduated from high school. I wanted to go home because, again, nobody in my family was a believer. Mm-hmm. And wanted to wanted to really be an influence uh, there, and now the end of the road is that we're a congregation of about a dozen locations with about thirty five hundred in attendance, starting fourteen years ago from a single location and one hundred twenty eight people. But probably the better story is I got to baptize my mom two years oh, into this. Wow, that's great. My middle brother is serving at a church across town, and my youngest brother is uh, one of our. Great volunteers where, where I'm serving right there, so seeing some great things happen. Mm. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Now, did you plant Cross Point, or is it an established church? That yeah, you no, pastor? that's part of the miracle, that yeah. uh, it's a year older than I am, and I'm ancient. Uh, <laughs> it was planted as a mission of First Southern of Hutchinson in yeah. August of 1970, okay. and they had three phases of a building program with that 1970s octagonal worcip mm-hmm. center. Yeah. Y'all know what I'm talking yeah. about? Oh, yeah. you, can you yeah. feel the love? The octagon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I, blessedly, I came post-renovation, so the Orange shag carpet was gone. Oh, oh wow! Man. Yeah, we were upgraded. Missed that, did you? Yeah, but uh, no, they had been a church for forty years by the time I got there. Okay. Had had their heyday in the eighties. Rode uh, rode the wave of about four hundred people. Were the associational stronghold. But by the time I had come, they'd been without a pastor for a couple of years. Really, one hundred twenty eight people. They were in sharp decline. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, that you know, that makes the multi-site journey even more fascinating. You know, coming from a setting like that, and and that's kind of been that was how I was introduced. Well, not how I was introduced to you, but recently. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> right. we'll get back to the the other introduction <laughs> later. But uh, uh, you know, it was really what you guys have done with multi-site has been fantastic and just, just fascinating and testimony of what God can do, and particularly in a church like that. Uh, be willing to go on that journey. So, kind of talk about your multi-site strategy. How you guys got started in that? You know, obviously, you didn't know that's what you were doing when you started. Right, somebody right. told you, but talk about that. And how that developed a little bit? Yeah, and and I think the uniqueness of it because right now I forget what the stats are, but a good percentage of the fastest growing churches in America are multi-site. Yeah. and uh, you know, everywhere there's a church of influence, they're experimenting with multi-site. So it's kind of the thing now. But let me give you these stats that I think less than. of churches that are doing multi ever get beyond three campuses. Mm. And they generally are in the same neighborhood. They're extensions of the church that are there. It's kind of a space-saving option. Um, But there there are a fraction that look at it from a missiological perspective. Mm -hmm. I remember telling a friend of mine, a mutual friend, Matt Atherton, he was pastor or worship pastor out in California. I was doing a men's event for him, and I said, I'm going back to Kansas. And he said, you're crazy. What are you going to Kansas for? Well, I'm from there, so it's okay. I promise (laughs) I'm culturally adept. Um, But I said, I just got a heart. I remember being a youth pastor in western Kansas. You had to drive three hours to get to a concert. I just think, what if we could bring big church to small places? Right. What if we could? Hmm. What if we could use all this stuff that we've learned, but take it to these small places that don't have those options? And that's been our heart. We want to take big church to rural 
community and and not that Hutchinson itself is really rural. Maybe for some listening it is. I mean, we're we're running about 30,000 people. We have a 6A school, but we're the hub yeah. for for a region, and it became a place, a way for us to start to launch. So for us, when we first started a neighborhood church, we started growing. The deacons, we all got together, and we sacrificed our ties on the altar the second month that we were there. It was a beautiful day, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and making some transitions. I had a 65-year-old PhD of church music who was leading worship for us, and uh, and he did everything he could to stretch us. I mean, he was choir choral arrangement kind of guy, but he knew where we were going. And yeah. boy, he did a great job of pushing us in the yeah. right direction. But it was still, you know, just kind of not exactly what you think of as a multi-site. Well, anyway, we started growing, hit about 450. We started talking about building program and that scared the fire out of me. Yeah. I didn't want to spend tons of money because we're in, we're in a, a in rural context, there's just not a lot of cash. I'll throw this out here because we're going to do this anyway. Yeah. Uh, a church of 3,500 with about a dozen locations. Our annual budget is 1.7 million. Yeah, and we probably, I mean, God bless, we'll make it, but we, we we're, that that's going to be a stretch for us. Yeah. So we deal with uh, what we've been given, and God God uses faithfulness, yeah. and not not necessarily abundance. Anyway, yeah. um, so we start talking about a building program, and I'm like, that scares me to death. Well, I heard about a church in Kansas City that uh, they were meeting in their location, but they bought a strip mall across the street, and uh, they were showing a video version of the message over there, and it was like a fraction of the cost. So I sent a couple of my elderly deacons up there, and they put a video camera just at chest high, and thank goodness I called ahead and told them we were going to do this, because that would be really weird. <laughs> yeah. And they walk in from the parking lot, and they they're greet. you can see they're greeting people with this yeah. camera on their <laughs> chest, and they sit down, the video screen drops down, they video the entire sermon, this and that. And as weird as that is, the weirdest part is when they got back, we held a business meeting, and we all watched that tape together. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, two or three hundred of us watched this chest high videotape of this whole service, <laughs> and uh, I said, "That's that's what, what I want to do, guys. Uh, I think this is a better solution for us. We're going to find a different location. We'll we'll do a smaller version of what we are, and we'll do a different style. We'll reach a different part of the community. And we had identified a big A auto parts store that had closed down." About five minutes from where we were, and five minutes in our town's across town. Right, right. right. That's, that's, yeah, the other, yeah. that's the other yeah. side of town. And uh, I remember Fred stood up and he says, Pastor, we're tired of discussing this and talking about it. You just need to tell us, is this what God's telling you to do? Because if it is, we're going to go. And I had this horrible wave of honesty that just washed up on me. And I I wished I hadn't had it because I looked at him and said, well, God hadn't told me to do this, but it doesn't sound bad. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's in line with the Great Commission, but I haven't heard a voice or anything. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and he laughed. He goes, good enough. I vote yes. <laughs> and, and that's how we started. Um, we just were looking for a way to grow and reach a different part of the community to do a little bit of different ministry. Uh, out, after that, uh, we, begged 50, we begged 50 people, please, just move from Westbrook, which was the original name of the church, over to the venue. Uh, and uh, the first night we had 270. Oh, and so we wow. looked at those 50 people and said, would you please go back? We want you here. <laughs> yeah. uh, that campus started running about 1,000 people wow. within the first year. Wow. 200 of them were driving from a community half hour away. When we identified that, oh we gosh. said, listen, if you would save your gas money and put it in the plate, could we mm. start meeting in the high school gym over there? Yeah. 
And then we started the video element of that because yeah. we'd never done video, but now we're going to be at a distance. And that's mm-hmm. when somebody looked at us and said, you're multi-site. Yeah. And we're like, what, what is that? And yeah. we read the book. Oh, yeah, that, that's who we are. So we were three campuses in before we really knew what we were doing. We were, we were just flying. And it's a good thing. Oh, my goodness, it's a good thing. Because if we'd have read the books, we'd have never done it. <laughs> yeah. We didn't, it costs too much. Uh, yeah. We don't have the right people, the right environment. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, they were, so the second campus was running 1,000. The original campus, what was it still? It was staying right where still, it always been, about two or three. And you were going yeah. back and forth in, in person, live. For the for the. For the first, first generation two. of that, yeah. yeah. Wow. Because we started the Saturday night. We committed to a Saturday yeah. night okay. at the venue. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. wow. All right, so I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just no, want to no. make sure. Well, and Saturday night's really important in the rural context because now we've got these campuses in great majestic places like Plevna, <laughs> Ulysses, yeah. Wakini, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and in these places, um, if you don't have a Saturday night service to record and upload it, they don't have good enough internet to live stream it right. on Sunday. Oh, wow. So you have to have it done on Saturday night yeah. so that they can download it at home where they actually have decent internet and, and drag a hard copy mm. up yeah. to their worship expression. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? So how, how far are the campuses away from Hutchinson? Hutchinson? Well, Hutchinson is campus. kind of centrally located towards okay. them, but the, the greatest distance between, like uh, we have a group that meets out in western Kansas and we have one in, uh, in Manhattan, and they're five and a half hours apart. Okay, wow. so we're we're across the state. Yeah. We're we're fully north, fully west, fully east, and central, but not fully south. That's kind of a hope for us in the near future. So, how did those campuses develop? So, you know, you know, a few hours away. How did that come about? Yeah, I'm going to get in trouble with some church planning types here. Sorry, I'll just share this with you. We we have only one time said, "Hey, let's pray about this. Find a spot and go plant." <laughs> uh, that's the only campus that's no longer a campus with us. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To do that, everything else, all the other places and locations have been responsive. Yeah. Where either a group of cross pointers has moved. And they said, hey, let's try this over here. Or a church that was in decline said, can you help us? So all of our campuses are a response to somebody saying, we see what you're doing. Can we be a part of that? Right, right. Why is that bad? Well, because I know there's a whole industry on let's look at the demographics. Let's find this spot. Let's do that. And uh, and I don't want to hyper-spiritualize it because I'm not that guy at all. But what we're doing is really more the Macedonian call. It's like when we see the guy crying out, going, come yeah. to us. Yeah. I, it, well, I mean, it's kinda, that's all the demographics reveal anyway yeah. is, are there people crying out there? Mm. I mean, if you're not if you're not seeing that in the demographics, you probably need to do away well, with the well, demographics. it's kind of a Blackaby thing, too. Where's God working? How yeah. can we get involved? I, Amen. Yeah. yeah. Amen. I'm yeah. with you. We're tracking. We're getting, we believe in that stuff. We do. We do. Yeah. We're, we're right on board with you. <laughs> we'll plant a church anywhere. Yeah. What are you talking <laughs> that's about? That's right. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, and I, yeah, I'm kind of a firm believer that, uh, that God wants to plant churches everywhere yeah. and, well, uh, and that there are people that whether they realize it or not are longing for something and uh, sometimes you just need a catalyst to help them know what they're longing for well and the, I think that that's a hindrance and a big hindrance for a lot of churches they think that this is what large churches do but right. but it's not I right. mean you know if you read the books if I can just summarize that they'll tell you to do a video driven campus you're gonna need half a million dollars 250 people on a launch team and in uh, all this prep work. Well, you can throw whatever stones you want, but we have launched for $0 partnering with an association or North American Mission Board who has the dollars with one guy who has a passion for the place. And uh, the investment on video technology is usually less than $25,000. And that's if you need to start a broadcast center. 
Right. Uh, but if it's just receiving, boy, you don't need that at all. Yeah. Don't need yeah. that at all. Yeah. One one of the things, and we talked about this a little earlier, was how do we get churches to realize that you don't have to have a lot of money to be involved in either church planting or something like this. And so, I, I don't know, do you have any wisdom about that? You've hinted about, about it, you talked a little bit about it just now, but what would you challenge churches who say, we don't have the resources to do anything like this? Is there anything? Well, uh, you know, first, let's, let's go the faith route on this. Is there anything too hard for God, right? Yeah. But then that leads you to the fact that, okay, so God could give me a million dollars. No, God, God can give you the wisdom to know that you don't need a million dollars to do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and in that, I think the best way to do it is not to look at the, the life church, not to look at the Willow Creek. Right. Um, because they're, they're, God bless it. Thank you, God, that you're right. doing such an amazing thing with them. But that is not what he's doing with the majority of us right. out here. I mean, look at the places that are reproducing. Um, again, of the fastest growing churches in America, the vast majority of them are multi-site, and they're smaller. Yeah. And, and look at what they're doing and see that they're doing it with volunteers. It takes about 30 people, I think, if I just round numbers, to do the technology now at the level that we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say at least 15 of them to 20 of them are under the age of 14. Because yeah. they're smarter, right? And all that stuff. Technologically, anyway. absolutely. So yeah. we've we you've got a resource base. If you have an eleven year old, you can do video multi site. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. They, they can figure it out for you. <laughs> yeah. If you have access to a Best Buy, you can buy the equipment. You don't need to go to some huge you know video outlet buying hundred thousand dollar cameras. Legitimately, our first process was to buy from the local high school two of their standard definition cameras for $500 to borrow a piece of uh, equipment from uh, a guy in town to help us produce it. And we were actually broadcasting for less than $10,000. Wow. Wow. And that, and that's what and once you have those pieces in place now you can reproduce that all of, you can do live services stream services you have video that people can watch throughout you can reproduce that at any number of locations it's really something that you got to get a hold of yeah yeah cool thanks yeah. awesome so you guys uh, video in the teaching uh, but you have a campus pastor uh, for each of the campuses talk about kind of what their role is and how you identify potential campus pastors what you do with them kind of how they're plugged into the broader leadership of of cross point and everything. Let, can I take that question backwards Absolutely. I'm gonna start with the how do we identify them um, we have a hard time getting people to go to seminary and graduate with that degree and say I want to give my life to Colby, Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? They, yeah. they, they, they've got different dreams and ideals. Yeah. So we really have almost stopped looking to bring people in. We raise everybody up. Yeah. Um, uh, and if somebody wants to come, God bless it. That'd yeah. be a great change in the culture. <laughs> yeah. But right now we've established something called Cross Point University where we identify these guys who have a heart and the end of the road for that. And if you want to know more about CPU, I'll be glad to share that. But the end of the road is how would you like to make half the money you're making work twice as hard? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and they're like, I'm in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so we raise up our own guys yeah. and uh, and they're in the places that uh, that they already have a heart for, where they where they grew mm-hmm. up, where, where they live and work. And uh, the difference, I think, is now let's get on the logistical side. For our campus pastors, I think that it's different than what a lot of people imagine. They're not franchise owners. It's not like the manager of Starbucks. I want them to be the pastor. So we have open-hand issues and closed-hand issues, and we have very few things in the closed-hand issues. These are the things that are cross-point constants that you have to do. But the rest of this... What style of music do you want to run? Uh, what kind of children's programs are you going to run midweek? Uh, what, what do you need to do to reach your community? That's all on you. And yeah. 
right. you're going to know right. that better than we are. We, right. We're not going to dictate this down. You're the pastor there. Right. Now, the blessing in this, and this is, this is I think, the unseen thing, but if you talk to a church planner, and you guys are church planners, a good chunk of a church planner's time is tied up in sermon prep and delivery. Right. They're at Starbucks, sipping the latte, stressing out over their MacBook for you know, <laughs> 10, 15, sometimes 20 hours a week getting ready for that. My church planners don't do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. They have 40 to 60 hours a week to lead the church, to disciple people, and to just be a church planner because they are primarily and nearly exclusively pastors. Yeah, That's what they do. Yeah. So you cut that, that isolation time out of their schedule. So what I'm looking for, uh, when we look for campus pastors, we're not looking for great communicators. Right. Wow. We're looking for guys who are relational and who can build things. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And and those guys are out there. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest with you, we have probably, and I'm going to get theological, Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 Speaking says apostles, language. prophets, yeah. teachers, yeah. Pa- all that noise. And so uh, you have to look on that list that pastors, teachers, preachers are different gifts. Yeah. And there's no promise that they're in the same guy. That's right. And our cult- current cultural uh, denominator is that I'm going to pick my pastor by listening to him preach. Yeah. That's like saying, are you a farmer? Because I bet you can cook. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. we're in the same field, but, yeah. but it's not the same thing. That's right. And so we're looking for pastors who pastor right? because we have a preacher who preaches. Now, do they... Preach, yeah, I make them preach at once every eight weeks. So yeah. every other month, they're up there, and they will tell you it's the worst time of my life. Yeah, yeah. this is not what I do because yeah. they do they do the other yeah. things. But it's important in the life of the church, and they do a great job, yeah. and we learn those skills together. But uh, for us, and I want you to think about how great that would be if you could put a campus if you could put a campus pastor, a church planner in place that didn't have to do message prep. By number of hours, you're basically getting twice the guy. Yeah. If they don't have to do sermon right, prep, right. you're getting the same guy twice yeah. because all their time is dedicated to that church planning stuff. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. Cool. Man. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Well, and we're we're really working hard to you know help our churches see that we, we want every church to be involved in church planting. And and I would say I'm a I'm an Alan Hersheyan when it comes to Ephesians <laughs> chapter four. And and I, I absolutely believe that every church has somebody in it that can be raised up and sent out. Amen. Uh, you know, God called all of us to follow him, all of us to be disciples and disciple makers. And how how you carry that out whether you're apostolic and running to the margins or you're uh, a teacher who wants to, you know, unpack God's Word for people or you're that shepherd that, you know, there's somebody in every church we can send out and plug in somewhere in church planning. And in that same vein, I think for senior pastors, guys like me, the number one thing you got to look for is, uh, we consider this one of our principles that we learned, is that the best leaders lead by stepping down. Yeah. Um, because every time, not every time, there's one time that it wasn't, but almost every time we hit kind of a, a plateau, it was me, the bottleneck. Mm. I was still holding on to something that I didn't need to be doing that yeah. somebody could be doing better. Yeah. And they were in the congregation. Yeah. They were right there. Yeah. Uh, but I, I had to have the humility to say, oh, I'm not good at this. Yeah. And we have exceeded my capacity yeah. for taking us in this direction. Wow. Yeah. And as a church, they've recognized that. And more and more, every time I release something, they just expect me to be better at what I do. Yeah. And that's a good thing to yeah. hold me accountable. Because the two things that I basically do for Crosspoint right now are I am the lead teacher preacher, and I, I organize that. I produce uh, all of our uh, educational materials, and I'm the, the leader, right? Uh, yeah. But outside of that, 
I mean, I don't do the administrative stuff anymore because uh, you know we'd be on fire. Yeah. If I, if I was doing <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and the insurance and the HR. I mean, we've got guys who who can do all that stuff, and um, and to learn to release those things bit by bit. And I know we're not done. There's still things that uh, if we're going to grow, I'm going to have to let go of because there's somebody who God's called who's gifted and is a lot better at it than yeah. I. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned something earlier. Um, this kind of conversation whiplash, but about going to seminaries and finding a guy. In most seminaries, especially if you're looking for kind of the, the type of thing you're looking for, those guys are going to want to preach, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it is, It is, I think, a real advantage to you guys to look for a guy who knows what you're doing, knows your culture, knows that he's not going to be preaching 45 times a year. And, right. You know, but, yeah. but it's also, man, a lot of those guys tend to be vision and you know, so maybe up in the clouds at times. I think that's one of the things we see with church planters that often is, a, I don't know if it's a negative, but it's a, it can be a hindrance mm-hmm. is because they don't, they don't have a lot of that on the ground. Let's build it. And they are spending a lot of time sort of doing missional engagement and shepherding mm-hmm. and cultural exegesis and all these things. They're working on Sunday, Yeah, you know, and, 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 it, and it, for a planter, it's not only the sermon, it's all right, Volunteers and greeters and stuff. Right. So anyway, I just you can't I, be Air Force and infantry. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's right. A great. Right. Yeah. And, and when you do this model, where you've got a, a guy who my job is to preach and to lead, I'm thirty thousand feet. I'm Air Force. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm flying above. My campus pastors, they don't want to be Air Force. What they want, to, I'm on the ground. I love the people in this city doing mm-hmm. this thing, and I'm face to face with them. They're infantry. Yeah. Cool. Right. And because of that, we combine efforts, and they get some. They get the high quality teaching that they're wanting that they don't have to produce, and for me, they're producing the pastoral, the giftings, and the the relationship that I couldn't ever give in that place or that yeah. time, and and it works. Yeah. It How works. about that? Yeah. Well, and I, I tell you, I think I think this would be so liberating for so many pastors across our state because we've got guys that are genuine shepherds mm-hmm. that love people, uh, love caring for people, sharing the gospel with people, hanging out with people, um, and they're not bad preachers or teachers. But it's not their uh, passion. That's right. To do both of those is is a challenge sometimes, mm-hmm. and so there's there's some liberate liberation, yeah. you know, in in that. You open the door there to something that's amazing. And, and, and I think when people hear, you know, this church multi-site, well, they planted here and they planted there. Part of what we do in rural uh, is that we're about half and half. Half of our locations are plants and half of ours are re- revitalizations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, where a declining church said, you know, help us out. And what we do, and I know there's a big fear of takeover rural. Yeah, this big church can come in and take us over. Yeah. So we do a one-year process where if you said, if you came in and said, we want to become Crosspoint, well, we'll talk about that in a year. Yeah. Let's help you out where you are right now. Yeah. Because at the end of that year, you're going to decide, yeah, I really do want to do this or I don't. Yeah. And in our history, I want you to just think about this. There was there was one church that we got through a year's worth of getting them on their feet and resourcing them and, and helping them grow strong. And at the end of that year, they looked at us and went, well, we feel like we're doing really well. We'd kind of like to do this on our own. What a horrible loss that was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that they're healthier than they were. Yeah, I mean, know? what That's a awesome. failed venture that <laughs> yeah, was. That, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You know, what we did is we shook hands and said, God bless you, and they're, wow. they're blowing and going right now. Awesome. Doing great work. It's a great kingdom mindset, though, yeah, too. Yeah, well, and it has to be. It, yeah. A multi-site that doesn't have a kingdom mindset is mm. not planting churches. They're right. expanding their church. Right, mm. right. A multi-site that's kingdom mindset is planting churches. Yeah, yeah. So do you see your campuses as church plants? My pastors are pastors, and when I now 
I'm the leader of our organization, mm-hmm. and I set the direction for us at the 30,000-foot yeah. level. But at their campus, it's got to be really wonky for yeah. me to contradict what they're doing because they're the pastor yeah. at that location, yeah, and I want them to be the pastor at that location. Yeah. And if I go there um, and help out with an event, I'm helping them because that's yeah. that's their location. So, yeah, I know there's a question, well, are they autonomous? Are they not autonomous? Do you have our plans to do this? I think we're putting uh, contemporary constrictions on a biblical motif that, yeah. that just don't work. Yes, they're churches yeah. because the church is not a building, right? Yeah. We all yeah. know this. The church is the people. And the church that meets in Sterling is not the church that meets in Salina, but it is the same church. It's networked together. Right. I mean, that, and that's, that's healthy. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. One, one question, I know we're pushing up against time here, but um, what do you feel like, okay, five and a half hours away, one of your campuses, and you're, you're their preacher-teacher, mm-hmm. but you live across the state. Do, does that, it, it hasn't, it hasn't been bad. It's not been a negative for you guys, but what, in our, I guess in our traditional model mindset, we want to do the people want to have a connection with the guy who's in the pulpit. How do you have you found any struggles with that? Or how yeah, do you, the, I, I don't know. People do want to have that connection with mm-hmm. you, and the more you foster that, the more you undermine your campus pastor. Yeah, because uh, we used to have a pattern where I would go in and I would try and cyclically be on every campus at least one Sunday and be there. And uh, working with one of the greats of multi-site work, Jim Tomberlin, yeah. um, he uh, he he came in did an evaluation for us. Says you got to knock that off. Wow. He says, because every time you show up and you preach there, you're telling them that this is better than what you get the other times. When wow. I'm here. Yeah. And and believe it or not, they're used to this, and their pastor is their pastor when you're not here doing this. Right. And so I'm still, if I walk in the room, I mean, there's still a respect and a love, and, and they know I'm leading the organization. But I love it now because we've we've been down this road long enough that they're like, but that's my pastor. Right, right. And the, some of old schoolers will still come to me, well, I want to know what you... Well, you need to talk to your pastor yeah. about that and, and what's going on there. Yet, I do need to make those connections. Senior pastor needs to be there yeah. occasionally, not on Sunday mornings, but for events to celebrate this yeah. and that, things like that. Uh, Ulysses, which is way out... Even in Kansas terms, we're like, wow, you live in Ulysses. Yeah, that's that's yeah. way out there. I, I had never been there. They'd been on board with us for a year and a half, two years, something like that. I went out for my first visit. And I met this gal, and it was so sweet. She, uh, she, her husband was leading her up, and you could tell by the way they were walking, she didn't see. And uh, she goes, are you Pastor Andy? I said, yes, I am. She goes, oh, there's your voice. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's me. And she goes, now I need to ask you a question, because I've been listening to you for a couple years now. And I don't see, but I hear you. And the way I picture you is you're some kind of cross between Arnold Schwarzenegger and Robert Redford. <laughs> And I looked yeah, let's at, go with that. I looked yeah. at her and said, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. nailed it. That's uncanny. <laughs> that's right. But, you see better than all these people. That's, <laughs> that's an anecdote just to, to say when I go to these campuses, it's, it's amazing because I see that they have a relationship with their pastor. They're yeah. talking to him about what do we do as a church. He's leading them. Yeah. But I'm their teacher. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I come in and I'm a, a pastor in their church, yeah. but I but I'm their teacher, and uh, and it's great because especially when the kiddos they they look at you and the first time they've seen you live they're like 
oh, look at that guy. You know, I, yeah. I've seen him on TV. And, and, and it, it, it is a little bit interesting. And one of the big pushbacks against this model is that it's a celebrity motif. And it definitely could be if you let it. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you purport that and you like that and you want that, you could make that happen. Yeah. But you've got to push back. Uh, we talk about, I, I say publicly, I'll say it right here again, the Crosspoint pastors are the generals of the Crosspoint Army. Yeah. And those are the guys who are who are in the fight, who are leading in. And part of my job, I, I pastor the smallest congregation of oh, all wow. my campus pastors. I pastor them. Yeah. Uh, that that the, they're my church, the yeah. ones that I'm trying to care for. Uh, and they pastor much larger groups than I do. Yeah. And and I've got to keep pushing that back. I think a successful senior pastor in this model cannot like that attention too much. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you, if you do like it too much, it'll bite you in the butt. Well, and, and just like you said a while ago, it undermines those campus pastors right. and, uh, removes the focus from them and which undermines the whole system and right. the whole network. And it just won't, it just won't work. Very well. And one of the things we learned along the way too, is that, uh, the a traditional model and probably how most people think of this is that you have the mothership, right? Yeah. And then <laughs> that's a church with satellites. Yeah. Um, it's become now nomenclature for churches that want to be healthy and do multi-site that that's not a mothership. That's the death star. Um, <laughs> yeah. And if you have the one campus that everybody else does what that campus says, then you're broken from the beginning and yeah. you have a, you have a structure that's not going to support itself. You can't be a church with multi-sites. You have to be a church of uh, multi-sites, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So like, even though Crosspoint Hutch is the largest um, it's not the most important. Its role is to be the broadcast center. Yeah. But we have creative centers, we have mission centers, and we have all kinds of things that are happening around the Crosspoint Network where those emphases come out of those campuses yeah. because we are, we're one church in many places. Yeah. And uh, we have to be a network of, not one church with. Because the Death Star doesn't inspire anybody. Right, yeah. right. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to know if you, if you, what you've thought about and dreamed about what happens to Crosspoint when you're not leading it anymore? When, when I, as a teacher... I know that's teacher, a personal question, but I just wonder, because you, you have been integral to the whole thing, and you're on the screen in every campus. Uh, have you thought about that? Is that? There is no doubt that God uses men, right? Yeah. There's no doubt. Uh, there's not a church out there that that there's not a, some amount of personality that's involved in that. Right. So the personality has to be a good steward of that. Um, this year, 2017, is the year that uh, that we have as an executive team, which is the body of guys that run Crosspoint, not a campus. Right. There are four of us hmm. that we have dedicated to developing a teaching team uh, in which I'm still going to be the primary. As long as i got breath, I'm going to be the primary teacher. Right. But right now I'm preaching – uh, about 42 times out of the year because yeah. I got my campus pastors preaching every yeah. other month, right? Um, and, and then I have a vacation or two. Well, we want to cut that back down to 30 to 35 and have a significant group of guys, about three or four guys, who are on the teaching team who will become an equitable face with me. Yeah. So the, even now, even though I think I got a good 20, 30 years left, uh, the succession plan has to start now because mm-hmm. we call it the Mack truck theory. I could step off a curb talking to you on my cell phone and that be it. Yeah. And I'll be held accountable for not preparing our church yeah. to, to take it to the next place. Yeah. So you, you have to be on board That's with good. that right now. That's and great. I, and I've got, I've got two or three guys right now. I won't mention them cause they're probably listening to this. Yeah. But I've, got, I've got two or three guys right now that if, uh, if something happened tomorrow, they could step up Yeah. Wow. and cool. there'd be a hiccup and bless God, if there, if you died and there wasn't a hiccup, 
Then you were doing something wrong. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, we don't miss that guy. <laughs> Thank it needs the to Lord. be a hiccup, but it needs to be able to move on. <laughs> yeah, right. It's good. It's a good word. Okay, so we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up here. A couple things. One thing, and then we'll move into rapid fire. Uh, if you give one piece of advice, or say one thing to our church planners, to our churches that are looking to go multi-site, what you know, what maybe some advice that you were given. What would you say? You know, it's kind of a one big thing. Um, that just as unique as your church is, so uniquely will be your multi-site. So don't get locked in to everything that you've heard. This is the standard. This is what you need. Don't do that. Uh, Those are borders and constrictions that do not apply to a child of God who has the resources of God in his hand and has the call of God on his life. Yeah. Uh, If God told you to do this, even if the numbers and everything else say no, if God told you to do it, then move in that direction. Don't don't take out a million dollar loan and do something stupid. Yeah. But take some steps and move in that direction and watch watch doors open up. Awesome. Awesome. All right, we're going to move into rapid fire, and uh, we had a couple of guys that kind of see this as a slow walk, so uh, <laughs> we, we want to, uh, uh, we want quick, short answers on these, and these will you know really kind of reveal the deepest parts of your soul. Mm. These are those kind of questions. <laughs> so you don't want explanation. You just want me to yeah, rapid fire these rapid out. Fire, rapid fire. All right, so top one or two books that have made the most impact on you? Bible. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet, can I give you a couple others? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Okay. And uh, The Jesus Manifesto. Who's that by? Um, oh, you're going to ask. Was oh, that Sweet? That's Leonard Sweet. Leonard Sweet. Okay. Yeah. 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 That right. book was so good, I didn't even know who wrote it. <laughs> Boy, I, I quote it all the time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What was your biggest strength, think your biggest strength in ministry is? Teaching, preaching. Teaching, preaching. Yeah. And I'm not a good pastor. Uh, the, the joke at our church is if Andy shows up at the hospital, you're going to die. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, it's, it's I, that bad. I actually showed up at the hospital about a, about a year ago, and one of our older ladies, when she saw me, she said, "Get out!" <laughs> so, awesome. so, you, so you say that would be your biggest challenge, weakness would be pastoring. Or no, what? bacon is my biggest challenge. <laughs> biggest challenge. Yeah, I, I love eating and bacon, anything bacon flavored. Oh my goodness. I'm thankful this is radio because I look a lot better on radio. Than I do. Well, technically not radio, yeah, I know but you, uh, you know, <laughs> for you old school guys out there, uh, Andy played some music from his old band <laughs> to Telestai that was recorded on cassette. Yeah. Actually, reel to reel, converted to cassette. Converted to cassette. Oh, that's awesome. All right, so favorite hobby or pastime? Uh, We are huge Dallas Mavericks fans as a family, and uh, even when they're bad, which is 99% of the time, um, we're still Except when we were in seminary. Yeah, that was some good stuff. I actually had had seats on the floor for the opener against Detroit. Oh, wow, wow. Your buddy and mine, Matt, we we sat there together. Yeah. Um, uh, But the other for me, and this may put me in the kook list for many of you guys, my my hobby is I love that uh, prepper stuff. Oh, really? Oh, man. Yeah. I love being dropped off in the middle of nowhere with a backpack. You got to live for two days. That's awesome. Build a shelter, make a fire. That's awesome. Yeah. Kill a squirrel, eat it. Yeah. What about your favorite movie? Okay, favorite movie. Uh, this is why is this harder than theological questions? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Okay, my favorite movie quote, not my favorite movie, is from The Amazing Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai. And it's oh, re- wow. Remember, wherever you go. There you are. There you are. <laughs> I love that quote. Um, but, but I would have to say that probably my favorite movie um, is, is going to be the original Star Wars. Oh. Mm-hmm. Saw it with my grandpa in 1976, and that when that came out. Yeah, I didn't even want to go. Yeah. And uh, it was movie crack. 
Yeah. I mean, I just I saw that and I have been all about it ever since. Yeah. And so uh, episode four, A New Hope, yep. I guess. Yep. Yeah. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Man. Back when he still spoke words in movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and didn't just have that gringy stare. Didn't just yeah. brood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I mean it's it's a classic and I love it. I even like the uh, remaked THX versions where they put the scenes in. Yeah, uh, I love it. Still yeah. have all my old toys. I have yeah. a tub with nothing but a Millennium Falcon. In wow! It. If you ever want to come over and play wow. on a play date, wow, absolutely. We're Driving making to, a drive to Hutchinson. Yeah, just to play, <laughs> play the Star Wars, Wars. toys. Yeah. <laughs> all right, favorite band or musician. Favorite band or musician? I, uh, again, we joked about this. I was a radio guy. I did country and rock and everything else, so it would be genre to genre. But my uh, my favorite uh, my favorite musician overall is Charlie Yardbird Parker. I'm a jazz saxophone yeah. player. Hmm. Favorite uh, band, uh, hands down, is Journey. Yeah. Oh, just love them. But, Finally being inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yeah. this year. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Insane, and the Steve Perry replacement just blows me away. That every guy, time. I'm telling yeah. you, it, uncanny how much he sounds like it, Steve Perry. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, I, I watch it and just it's like a YouTube trick video. I yeah. have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> this how do this they get tiny Filipino guy, <laughs> yeah. you know, this huge voice, yeah. and they found him singing karaoke. Uh, yeah, yeah, on YouTube, God can do anything. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm telling you, that's incredible. That's incredible. And my favorite country, just so you know, is Toby Keith because yeah. I like his, uh, I like his patriotism, and his love fun. So. You don't love his vibrato? No, <laughs> I don't. think I'm going to over here. All right. Well, man, thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us. I know you got a lot going on this week, but this has been fun. Absolutely. And uh, good to kind of rekindle some old memories from from Southwestern Seminary. Absolutely. Back in those long hair days. We've got to find a way to link the music of Tetelestai oh, no, to these don't. podcast show notes. <laughs> we're we're going to have to find a way yep. to do this. You guys have got to hear Andy's old band. Uh, hey, can I can I do this for anybody who has questions or we can help in any way? I'd be glad to help. Anybody interested in the multi-site journey, I have a landing page, just my name, andyaddis.com, okay. and you can connect at multiple levels, whether social media or or email and, and I'm opening the door because uh, this is part of what as I've gotten less responsibilities at the church they've asked me to take on being an ambassador for yeah. this and so the door's open I'd like to help awesome. anybody we'll put that link on the show notes awesome. so folks can get access there so man thanks again yeah. awesome alright alright great interview with Andy Addis we're just having a tough time here in the studio kind of keeping it together and uh, Chad keeps making faces and making us laugh so it's all his fault <laughs> but uh keep telling y'all this is just my face <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we need to be changing that face how about that so uh, uh, great time with Andy. Uh, some some incredible stuff they're doing in, in Hutchinson, Kansas, and the and I think the thing that that's so fascinating about that is is they're not you know their main campus is not their largest campus. Uh, they were not large when they started this multi site strategy. Uh, it was driven by some uh, requests and responses from people in other communities, and so we're responding to people uh, and needs of the community as they started these these multi-site and so so chad you know talk about you know that that whole small church multi-site strategy thing you know it's just fascinating unpack that what you heard yeah i i just think uh he said partly that stood out to me is that you don't have to have a lot of money or be a big church to do what he's doing and to be so similar to arkansas i think this could be a viable option for a lot of churches um and he, and he says, said, you know, hey, you don't have to, 
Um, you don't have to have, you go into a community of 300 people, you don't have to run 150. You just tie the community, you know, so can you get 30 people there? So I, I just appreciate that mindset because I feel like a lot of times when it comes to church and church planting, if it's not at 100 after the first year at 150, it's just always got to be bigger and more. And really, they're just out to reach people. And, and if they can tie their community, man, that's then they feel like they're reaching people. And uh, so I guess I just would say we've got to start thinking outside the box a little bit, even as a convention of mostly smaller churches, on how we're going to reach people. And uh, so I appreciated that, just his ingenuity and vision and how I think that could translate here. Yeah, and they're, and they're running over 3,000 across 11 campuses. So none of them are, are huge campuses by you know any stretch of the imagination, and uh, but they're they're in these smaller communities, um, and 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 are just doing some incredible things, reaching a ton of people uh, for Jesus that way. And you know the, the one of the things that I, I love about what they're doing is you know that all of these campuses are video venues, which you know kind of be a turnoff to to some folks. But uh, they have a campus pastor uh, at every one of those campuses, and, and for all intents and purposes, that campus pastor is the pastor of that campus. While they pipe in Andy's teaching uh, each week, um, Andy doesn't make decisions for each of those campuses. That campus pastor is the leader there. So, so his primary focus and primary energy is spent on doing evangelism, uh, making disciples, and shepherding people, uh, and, and leading that campus. Uh, and so I, I just think that's a fascinating model because we have so many guys that are incredible shepherds. I mean, they love people. They're great at, at pastoral care. Uh, you know, they're great at evangelism. Uh, they may not be great preachers or teachers. They may not be great, uh, you know, visionary leaders. But to care for people, love people, and reach people, we've got guys all over the state that that do that incredibly well. And to be freed up from the uh, stretches of stresses of having to put you know messages and Bible studies together each week, you know that could that could really be liberating for for some guys. Yeah, I think that's really it's a fascinating model because m- most guys, especially if you talk talk to guys who are called to ministry they feel their primary gifting is preaching they do everything else they have to do just so they could preach i mean that's a lot of guys which i'm not saying it's right but and he he said something that's really fascinating they don't go to seminaries and recruit people you know because a lot of guys in seminary are going to want to preach and fill the pulpit and that's understandable but um so they're raising guys up from within and what another great uh, attribute and characteristic of that model that it's about leadership development and raising up people and, and and he said you know not not a lot of people in seminary have a heart for Ulysses Kansas uh, but but there's going to be a guy that maybe does and so why couldn't he be the campus pastor there so I think it makes sense I, I'm not saying it's every church you know it's going to be a model that every church uh, wants to do but I think it could be the answer to some churches uh, in our state uh, and a good strategy for them to reach people. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. And, and that, you know, and that's the thing. It's such a multiplication strategy. It's not all about Andy. He, he is the anti-rock star preacher. 
Um, you know, very humble guy, but very clear vision and plan for, for where they're going to go. And but puts a lot of trust in those campus pastors. They do a lot of development with those campus pastors. And uh, and I love the whole tithing the community thing. You know, their goal for each of those campuses is to run 10% of the community in which the campus is. And so there's one community where they have a campus, uh, a new campus, the community only hopes, has 700 people in it, and they, they're running about 40. So they're 30 people away from their 10%, you know, of that community. And, uh, and he said, that's, that's great. How is that not, you know, a, a healthy, effective church if you can draw 10%, you know, the community? And, uh, and so I, I just love that whole mindset, whole strategy, very kingdom, very kingdom-minded, very, you know, developmentally-minded uh, in raising up leaders and unleashing them and empowering them. And, and those campus pastors get to preach and teach you know, periodically as well, and and he says all of them uh, hate it when their time comes around, which is funny, because they're used to focusing on just the day to day operations of that campus with the people, and and so uh, so that's just a just a great great model that I think will be very appealing to some guys potentially here in Arkansas. Yeah, and I think so many times, you know, we want our churches to have this unlimited potential, but most of them don't. You know, most churches are not going to be a thousand or more people, five hundred or more people. Uh, so I think it kind of brings your expectations down to what's realistic and what's healthy. And and in a community of seven hundred, if you can get seventy people there, that could be a healthy church. And so I think we just need more of that. We need more of that thinking. Uh, you know, I just think it's like I live in a community of seven hundred people. I want three hundred and fifty people in our church on Sunday. It's like, well. <laughs> Man, that's just not probably realistic. So, uh, yeah, I just I just admire what they're doing and uh, think it could be, you know, a model that works other places too. What's crazy is, you know, he didn't get this idea from a book or whatever. They're actually like, I think he said it was their third campus and they were like, oh, we're multi-site. Oh, they were like accidentally multi-site, you know, which I appreciate. So, And, and it's not to say they don't hope to run more than that, you know, in each of their campuses, but that's a, I think that's a realistic, healthy goal. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of community, the larger the community, the more difficult that would be, uh, you know, to run 10% of Little Rock, uh, would be very difficult, but Little Rock's broken into so many different neighborhoods. You run 10% of a neighborhood, then it's more realistic. So, uh, Right. Uh, good good stuff there with Andy, and excited to to partner with him more and and do some more things with him in the future, and uh, uh, get more guys connected with him. They're doing some great stuff, uh, great stuff up there. All right, we're gonna kick it over to story time with Uncle Neil, but we're gonna have a guest storyteller this time uh, because the story is about Uncle Neil. Uh, and Stephen Bell and their work with Maurice Brister and replanting a church in Little Rock. And so we're going to have story time with Uncle Nick this time. And uh, so enjoy this. It's story time with Uncle Today's story actually comes from three Little Rock church planners, Stephen Bell of Otter Creek Community Church and Neil Scoggins of City of Refuge recently decided to join together to sponsor and encourage Unity Bible Baptist Church, a declining church that is now replanting in the heart of the city. 
Unity's pastor, Maurice Brister, is working with Stephen and Neil to develop a leadership team and a plan to better engage with the people of Little Rock. Being invested in themselves as church plants, Stephen and Neil said they felt investing in Unity was an appropriate way for them to give back. You want to see churches planting churches, Stephen said. It's a very biblical model. We want to hear your story. Send it to us at thegrind@absc.org. It's called reading. Top to bottom, left to right. Group words together as a sentence. What is this? I'm still sore I never read Moby Dick. I'm very important. You never read anything I asked you to. Uh, I have many leather-bound books. Let's look at Chad and Dave's bookshelf. All right, my book uh, for this go-around is called A Genuine Faith, How to Follow, G- Follow Jesus Today by one of my former professors, uh, Dr. Rodney Reeves. Uh, he was at Williams Baptist College uh, when I had him as a professor, and now he's a dean of Christian Ministry School at Southwest Baptist uh, University in Bolivar, Missouri. And uh, it's a it's a fantastic book, and I'm actually not finished with it yet, but uh, about three-fourths of the way through and he takes a look at uh, discipleship, what it means, what it looks like to follow Jesus according to each of the Gospels. Matthew has a little bit different uh, picture than Mark, than Luke has, than John has. And he kind of highlights the nuances um, in each of the Gospels for what it looks like to follow Jesus. Uh, you know, and just, just incredible, incredible stuff. He's always been one of those professors that when he taught... Uh, he, he would unpack something in Scripture that would just make it come alive, and you would think, okay, why didn't I see that? It's so obvious when he says it, you know, but I didn't see that. And he, I, was, I was reading this quote. I've just been contemplating this quote kind of throughout the day today. And he's talking about preachers and, and us, you know, kind of unpacking Scripture for people and leading churches. And he makes this statement. He says, We shouldn't let the power of our pulpits rush to our heads like cheap wine. We shouldn't believe that we're uniquely qualified to wield the sword of Christ's kingdom with powerful words. Instead, we should learn a lesson from Peter. We were chosen because we have much to learn. We were called because we have farther to go. It may look like we're getting special treatment. Sometimes ministers see the mysterious things of God. Sometimes we speak the truth when all else are silent. But most of the time, we don't understand and we don't know what to do. Talk less, listen more. Jesus is the beloved Son of God, God's choice servant, no one else. Those who are kept closet, closest to His side need the most help. Sometimes I wish I could learn to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I wow. thought, man, what a, what a great quote. What a, what a challenge to, uh, to, to pastors everywhere to realize, hey, hey, fellas, uh, we don't have this all figured out. We don't have all the answers. And maybe God called you because you've got more to learn. <laughs> <laughs> than others. And and Peter, who was one of the most vocal of the disciples, was also the one who got it wrong most of the time. Uh, but, you know, continued to press on and follow Jesus. And so this is a great, great book. I mean, some incredible preaching stuff uh, coming out of this, this book for me. And uh, so I highly recommend A Genuine Faith by Rodney Reeves. I also like A.W. Tozer quite a bit. Read a book by him a number of years ago called Knowledge of the Holy. And uh, it's kind of a breakdown of the attributes of God and, and why they're important. But one of the things that he said that's probably one of the more fascinating quotes of the book, whether you agree with it or not, it is a fascinating quote. But he said, the most important thing about a person is what they think about when they think about God. 
and that's been a quote that's just stayed with me for a long time is that, you know, the most important thing about you is not who you marry or where you go to school or what your job is. It's what you think about when you think of God. Um, so, you know, that's awfully theological and heady, but I think there's some, there's some good truth to that. Um, that really our, our understanding of God's going to shape a lot of who we are, a lot of what we do. Um, and so I really, really think it's a good book. It's kind of a short book, uh, just kind of an introduction to the attributes of God. So I recommend that one and, uh, yeah, pursuit of God's good as well. So good throwback with A.W. Tozer today. Old school, old school. <laughs> no school like the old school, as they say. That's right. That's what that's the kids right. are saying today. I don't think the kids are saying that. Yeah, yeah, that's what the kids are saying. That's what I hear all the time. <laughs> so, all right, well, we're going to wrap up. A couple of things coming up. We have our uh, state conference on evangelism church health coming up. Uh, great guys coming to this. Uh, Steve Gaines, pastor at Bellevue Baptist in Memphis. Uh, Jim Cimbala from Brooklyn Tabernacle will be with us as well. Uh, um, and then on uh, Tuesday, we'll have a church planting breakout with George Ross, who is the Sin City missionary for New Orleans, and uh, looking forward to a great time with him. Uh, he's planting churches in a uh, couple different places and now kind of coordinating work in New Orleans. And so hoping to get him on a podcast as well while he's here. And uh, so come hang out with us with that. You can register online at absc.org. Uh, and uh, uh, the only raise, way, reason we need your registration is for lunch on Tuesday. So go check that out and register for that. And I then also have a, a great podcast coming up with Greg Addison, our Associate Executive Director. Been looking to do this with him for a while and trying to get our schedules together is always a challenge. He's a busy, busy guy. And, uh, and then we also have another drop-in guest in our studio with uh, uh, Patrick Anadi and Keith Strasberger from Real Life Ministries in Post Falls, Idaho. And uh, those guys were a blast talking about disciple making. And uh, those guys have built, uh, with Jim Putman as their lead pastor, uh, have built uh, a church in Post Falls, Idaho. It's just incredible. And you'll hear about that uh, here in the coming weeks as well. So that's all on the horizon. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, our website, absc.org, teams, church planting uh, as well. And uh, then don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Check it out on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll see you next time. Keep grinding.